Hi, everyone, and welcome to the February 26th, 2021 episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. Folks, my guest today is one of the most informed and experienced auto insiders in Canada. He's the former CEO of Toyota Manufacturing Canada, and he served as Ontario's car czar, an advisor to the provincial government on all things automotive. So we'll get his take on the current state of the Canadian auto industry, why he thinks commercial EVs are the smart investment for now, and we'll find out how COVID-19 is affecting the industry. All that and more when I speak with Mr. Ray Tangay on this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. Ray, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Yeah, thank you, Craig. You're the former president of Toyota Manufacturing Canada. You're also the former auto advisor to the Ontario government. So you've seen things from all sorts of angles in the auto industry, and I'm sure you still pay attention to it. So let's start here by asking you this. Generally speaking, how would you characterize Canada's auto industry at this moment in time? Yeah, so I think we've had lots of good news in the auto industries, especially in the manufacturing sectors and commitment from Ford and GM has um, been really good news. And also, I think uh, uh, Toyota and Honda are keeping their investment and they're, they're still uh, very solid in terms of the product line that they have over here. So I think a lot of people were writing us off. Like I remember back in 2015, everybody said, well, I think Canada will decline and will they're not relevant. And now I think people realize we are relevant, and especially with a strategy right now to produce more EVs, I think is very futuristic, and I think it's very positive. And and in in terms of demand, I think the demand as 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 long as we can be opened, uh, I think the the consumer will keep coming, and they want cars. I mean, I think our lifestyle has changed dramatically due to COVID. And in many ways, now a car is even more important now than it was before. Is it important in the sense that, one, more people want to take a car to work because they might feel safer than being on public transit? But also, do we get back to that sort of um, era of, you know, cars are an escape? It's almost like uh, a fantasy. You get to get in your car and you can just drive. Are, Are people going to come out of this and just want to go for a drive, perhaps? I think so, because, I mean, um, I know a lot of people that, uh, for example, they say, well, I don't need a car, especially if you live downtown Toronto. Right. And they say, well, you know, I I can take a shared vehicle and whenever I need, I don't need to, to have a car. Now the attitude is changing. He says, do I really want to get into a car that zillions of people have been in it? And so now people are a little bit more sensitive. And I don't think it's going to go away in the next year or so. So it's going to stay for us a little little while. Plus, I think we all realize, and that's what's happening even with the housing, people are saying, well, maybe we need to get out a little bit further than the major center. And that's why, especially with remote uh, work and remote education, uh, people now realize that they can live a little bit further. But that means you need a car. Right. So, uh, I think um, I think in general, I think people right now, if you're confined to a to an apartment or in a small house, you want to get out, you want to go somewhere, and maybe the public transit is not the safest thing to do. So, I think car is a good es- escape, as you mentioned. 
You mentioned the industry's changing. It's changing fast in all kinds of ways. And one of the biggest changes is that we're heading toward full electrification and, and sort of quickly. And, and you've said in the past that Canada's auto industry should initially focus on the development of electric commercial vehicles. Why do you see that as the opportunity we should focus on? Yeah. So first of all, if you look at a consumer level, our cars are, are basically parked 80 to 90% of the time. So our impact to the emission is not as high as vehicles that are on the road all day long. Plus, it's much easier to regulate a fleet of commercial vehicles or public uh, uh, vehicles uh, than it is on a consumer level because a consumer level is very price sensitive in terms of what you want to buy. And I don't think the, the, uh, the government uh, can sustain uh, incentive to offset the cost of electric vehicles. I think I don't think it's realistic. So, but the first step, in my opinion, and I've, I've been saying that a few times, and I've said that in my report, even when I was the auto advisors, focus on, the, on public and and uh, and on the infra, to build the infrastructures. So, public transit and also the public fleet. And there is there are lots and lots and lots of vehicles, and that would be the starting point to build your infrastructures. It's a lot easier to build infrastructures for for public transit and public vehicles because their their loop is much smaller. Right. So so it's much easier to build. And in in terms of large vehicles, I think there's more than the electric vehicles. There's the fuel cells that are very practical perhaps for for that application it's a little bit more challenging to do it for the consumer level but the point is at a consumer level we don't use our car a lot during the day and our impact is not so big so i know for my own example i mean yeah i I, i've got a place in collingwood i i go once a week that's it right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that's that's but I, I think the plug-in hybrid is to me is the most practical at this present time because you can use the existing infrastructures you don't have to worry about. Because if you go to the full electric vehicle, that means a fairly major investment, first of all for charging station for for in public, but also there's a lot of buildings that are not equipped to have charging station, even a, a home. Lots of homes, right. you you wouldn't be able to if you don't if you don't have a two hundred amp uh, 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 power in your house, the likelihood of you to be able to put in a high voltage charging station, it's not going to happen. But if you it's a plug in, it's just a normal one hundred twenty volts, and you plug in your car and you go to work back and forth every day, and you don't have any emissions. So that, to me, it's a first big step that the industry should take. So I'm curious, what do you think about GM's decision to offer the EV600 van to fleets and then also their decision to build that electric commercial van in Ontario? What did you think of that whole scenario? I think that fits exactly with what I'm talking about because I think building the electric vans, then the government has to take some initiative and try to encourage that we, that's a good way for us to bring electrifications in on on the road and commercial vans are that's to me it's a really good 
good approach. I think it's that's great. Is it possible that the money they make, the profits they make from that, can be used to further um, the same technology into consumer and mass market vehicles? Is that sort of how you see this working? Um, sort of like how GMC Hummer is a very expensive vehicle. That is a high profit, high margin. Um, low volume vehicle, but they could take those profits and use that money to develop something for the mass market. Do you see automakers doing that in the commercial side of things and using that money to pay for something else? Yeah, so that's a good step to bring the cost of the electric vehicles down, period. So if you look at the cost of the batteries, yeah, they've improved a lot and, and over the past uh, uh, five or six years, but there's still a premium uh, and I don't know of any OEM that is making money making electric vehicles. So if you're a, a large uh, company uh, like uh, Toyotas and Volkswagen, and you you can have a percentage of your fleet that is uh, it's not it's not a money maker, but you have enough of with the other vehicles that you can you can still push for innovation, right? Yep. So I think what uh, GM is doing, they're trying to bring the a commercial vehicle, a van, into a, 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 that will be electric. I think it's it, it's great. I think uh, the government is need to really be proactive on that and saying this is the way we want the the commercial vehicles and the public transits and and in the cities, so a lot of cities in Europe, for example, they are very, they they're not going to allow a lot of the internal combustion engines. Well, even here in Canada, right? Uh, BC has said they they are going to forbid those sales. Uh, Quebec has said the same thing. Uh, in you know, basically by 2040, those two provinces have said no more internal combustion engines. So you're being forced to go this route, right? Yeah. So I don't know exactly what they mean if that. Means that you can still. Have, I think it can still be allowed to have a, a plug-in, right? Hybrid, yeah. Which is is maybe one way that could be possible. Um, but you have to think about uh, demographics also. Uh, I mean, electric vehicles right now are niche vehicles. They're for high income. Uh, they're for people that are very passionate about the environment, but they're still not. Uh, affordable to the mass population. Uh, I'm curious, what does Canada's role in battery technology and battery supply chains look like at this point? We're building EVs or we have pledges to build EVs in Ontario. Does battery technology um, move in lockstep with that? Will we be making batteries here in Ontario? I think we have to be, like if, we're, if we see the, the trend and where that's going and then we see OEMs investing in, in a, like a GM and Ford to invest in electric uh, vehicles and to have a factory, we have to develop the supply chain. And what this concerns me sometimes in Canada, we say, well, we have lithium and we have cobalt. Mm-hmm. And that's, to me, it's not the solution. That is an element of our strategy to to attract investment. I don't want to sell a raw material, personally. I, th- I think we need to say, oh, I want something local. I want batteries local. Or, uh, and and I, I think we need to, to really be uh, developing a strategy of how we're going to attract that. So how do we do that? 
So obviously, uh, we have to be able, we'll be able to give some incentives. We have to find alliances with some uh, major uh, uh, companies that uh, that might be interested in making them in North America. So obviously, the first thing is going to be for the USMCA. Uh, we need to have the local content and North American content. So the, the first thing it has to do is we. We have to bring them in North America, but we need to also bring them in Canada. I don't say only Ontario because there are some other places in, in the country that uh, may be, uh, be, be able to make batteries also. So uh, I think this will require, and I think the Ontario government and Quebec government and BC, so uh, they're all thinking about how to attract that kind of investment. But uh, we're not going to do it on our own. You have to find a good partner, whether it's in Korea or in Japan, uh, where they, they, they've got, uh, they know the technology. It's not an easy process. And that is still evolving. And then, uh, so batteries uh, technology will change. I mean, Toyota now is talking about a solid-state battery. Well, a solid-state battery would be totally different than lithium-ion, right? Yeah. yeah, it would be totally different. So, I think we have to 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 find some good partners that, uh, and then we have to give them incentive to locate over here. Because if we're going to have the manufacturing, we also have to devise the supply chain. And it's not only batteries; there are also other major components, like electric motors, for example. They're mm -hmm. not cheap either. Uh, the uh, the uh, the controllers. Uh, maybe that's not going to come to Canada, but at least we have to bring it to North America so that we we can have the local content and North American content. Um, the wire harnesses, and that's all in Mexico. That's basically. Mexico, yes. That's right. Yeah. So that's, But at least we have to have the North American content, my, my point is. We have to be operating as a region, right? I mean, that's the argument I've uh, always heard exactly. is that, that Canada, the USA, and Mexico have to operate as one region and compete as one region. Are we doing that or is there more to be done to get us to that point? I think um, under the previous uh, U.S. administration it was very difficult to have that kind of dialogue because, and then right now, I think the fact that uh, uh, Biden and Trudeau's are talking about sharing, 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 that was one of the most common words that they use in their, in their discussion this week. I think that is absolutely important that we jump on that and realize that not everything will be in Canada, but in North America, we have to make, we have to develop the supply chain that's going to be enable us to, to have the local content. So uh, like Mexico can be still very much focused on electronics, but other major components should between Canada and the U S we need to share that our approach. And I wanted to ask you that. What is it that we do best in Canada when it comes to automotive? What should we be focused on and what do you expect us to be supplying for the long term? What is it that, where do we fit in in this region? Yeah, because of our educated workforce and our, our skilled trades, we're very good at, at, at the making and manufacturing part. Uh, I think if you, if you, if you look at... Uh, 
of uh, JD Powers in terms of our ability to win quality awards and all that kind of stuff, we have proven that we have a good manufacturing base. So anything that requires a fair amount of manufacturing, I think Canada is a good a good place to do that. If it's a if it's a, if it's a, uh, like a wire harness, then it's not trying to to think we can build wire harness in Canada, but let's try and think about uh, batteries, for example, if that's that's the way it goes. Um, and we have to look at a manufacturing process associated with with making batteries and be good at it. And so I, that's why I'm so I'm still very much involved with the education. I'm working with the colleges and universities, and I'm saying. We need to develop the skill set because right now we realize that globalization is, is not as strong as it was five years ago. And now the people are saying, well, you know, we can't depend. I mean, we found that with, with uh, and the healthcare and the vaccination. That's right, yeah. But it's, but it's also in other parts of, uh, of the industry that we have to start to say, we can't always go and find the cheapest in Asia. We need to be able to work here in North America and develop our region so that we can make those things so that we're not going to be in the mercy of uh, some politics across the, the, the continent. Well, we've seen it since last year, right? Some parts that come from overseas, some of the lower margin and smaller, cheaper parts that are desperately needed over here were delayed during the early shutdowns of the pandemic and that affected North American production. And now we're seeing it with the chip shortage. Have we consolidated and offshored too much of the auto industry at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not in a position to, I don't have the facts in front of me that would be strictly an sure. opinion. And I, I always try to reserve my opinion because <laughs> that's usually not worth a lot. <laughs> I had to ask though, because this is the situation we're in. We're seeing it now. We have plants know, idled across North America. I think the general feeling is we have to localize more. Okay. That's a general feeling that we have to localize more. We have to be more self-reliant. That uh, we can't uh, like right now. There was a lot of um, of um, of uh, technology was going to China, and China is an attractive market for me, most of the uh, manufacturers. But we have to realize that we can't we can't uh, depend on China and some other countries to to, to provide us a supply. So. Um, I think the healthcare is is giving us a strong message, but I think that message will will go down into the industry also and say, well, we, we do we want to be that vulnerable? Um, probably not. Uh, last subject that I wanted to to speak to you about: um, How do you see Canada's slow at this point uh, vaccination rollout, coupled with the United States rapidly increasing pace of inoculation, yeah. affecting the auto industry? and the supply chain. How do you see this playing out? Are we in a dangerous spot here if we fall too far behind them in terms of the rate and yeah. pace of vaccination? Yeah. So the vaccination is a good example. The fact that we have no control of the vaccine means that we are totally dependent on somebody else to provide us the vaccination. But I must say that uh, the auto industry has been very, very aggressive in terms of the protocols that they put in their factories to ensure that we have we maintain the safety for the employees i think um, uh, the fact that they've done uh, the t testing internally and testing the employees on a regular basis and provide a lot of uh, 
of safe protocols. I think it's uh, it's proven to be quite effective, actually. I'm amazed. Like, I mean, if you look at uh, Toyota, they got like nine or ten thousand employees, and they're not they're not making the news. It's actually some small uh, uh, home that uh, that for, for the age that is is getting the attention. So, I think uh, uh, vaccination is important, but I think we have to main, to be diligent and also be careful how we 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 behave in the future. So if you were still in Canadian automotive, and I, I mean in a decision-making position or allocating resources or in these discussions about production, how would you feel right now about the growing vaccination gap? W- would you be keeping a close eye on it? What would you be looking at? Because the, the Automotive Parts Manufacturers Association has gone so far as to reach out to President Biden and ask for assistance in getting vaccines because they're afraid that... Um, this gap will grow too wide and we might actually lose investment. Are, are, do you see that happening or is that a worst case scenario? Yeah, I, I think um, in, there are things in life you can control and things you cannot control. And the most important thing is to really focus on things we can do to, to stop the spread. And vaccination is, is good, but it's not the only way for us to, to stay safe. So you're saying the the advanced early screening, rapid testing, uh, in-house testing, those right now should be the focus? Should be the focus because by the time it gets down to the age of 25, 30 or 35, that's a long time. And yeah. and so uh, right now, you know, we're just talking about uh, March 15 to go for people who are over 80 years old. And uh, uh, 70s will be around May. Uh, so... We can't wait that long, so we have to be diligent and take all the precautions to be able to to do this, uh, the the testing internally, make sure that we have the keep a distance, minimize the people that are have to interact, uh, and keep that protocol as if it's a, nothing happens. So, to me, that's that's a way right now. That, that these are the things we can do. Right. We cannot expedite the vaccine. So let's, let's control our own destiny. I'm curious. You must wonder or, or sit back and think, what would it be like if you were still at Toyota Manufacturing Canada and having to deal with this? Are, are you in a sense, I don't want to say glad, but I mean, you don't. did you ever deal with anything like this? Would you have wanted to yeah. deal with anything like of, this? I just wonder your thoughts. Sure, I was a chief risk officer for the for the company in North America, and I was there for the uh, the financial crisis. I was there for the uh, the recalls, uh, and you you stay first of all you stay calm, and you 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 control the, as much of what you can control, and focus on about doing the right thing. And so that would not change whether. Uh, it's a, a epidemic or what we experienced in the past. So there's always been some crisis we have to manage, and that's part of management. I would say no no problem, no need. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, I appreciate you being on the podcast. Always a pleasure to okay. chat with you. Thanks for joining me. Take care. Take care. We reached Ray in the GTA. If you want to be a guest on this show or have a suggestion or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous shows on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. 
Just click the Canada Conversation tabs at the top of the homepage. So that does it for this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.